The Secrets of Silver and Gold, Chapter 10 The man stood in the doorway of his living quarters. Nervously, his fingers followed a line formed in the plastic the wall was covered with. He was not letting in the cold, but rather the cool air of the dwelling was escaping outside. An order was yelled from somewhere deeper in the dwelling. Make up your mind and close the door in front of you or behind you. The man stepped forward and the door slid closed behind him. He was waiting for something to happen. It was the day it was supposed to happen. A member of the Dragon Guild was expected today. He wondered who it might be this time. He recalled the thought that entered his mind a few days earlier. More like a voice. How different the name had been and how he struggled to remember it. The creatures were kind enough to allow the people of the village to give them names, to make it easier to communicate. A younger dragon wished to be guardian over his village. He had not received a name from any human yet. Their responsibility was Robert's. The names had to be passed to the next village in the, in the travels of that particular dragon, and they always insisted it belong. Like the tail of a dragon, the first visiting dragon proclaimed. The man remembered the honor of naming the second young dragon visitor. Young being a relative statement, being as the man was likely much younger in terms of living years. He remembered the fear he felt when he said his suggestion out loud for the entire village to hear, as well as the visitor standing meters away from where he landed in the middle of the dragon court. Terwilliger, the man said. Everyone heard him, but his friends needed to give him the gears and yell for him to speak up. The dragon also caught this jest and decided to play along. Male dragons have a witty sense of humor. Terwilliger, Robert yelled directly towards his friends. The dragon took his turn at giving this man a good ribbing. He heard the name the first time the man thought it inside his mind and liked it. The dragon scanned the crowd of people gathered to witness the first visit of this dragon to their village. Is this a good name? The dragon spoke out loud in low baritone voice, looking at the people for confirmation. Shoulders shrugged, heads bobbed, chins waggled, and one heart beat out of control. Roberts. The dragon asked the next question to prolong the suffering of his soon-to-be friend and ambassador to the village. This question was a little harder to ask. He would need to reposition himself first. Does this name match my tail? With that, the dragon whipped his tail and made the tip crack loudly. Robert thought the rumors were wrong. The dragons do eat people. The dragon quickly scanned the crowd, realizing he may have gone too far, and proclaimed, I like it. It does match my tail perfectly. And let out a soft roar. The dragon quickly slowed the heart of the man thought to be dinner and introduced himself as Tewilliger and asked for his name. The man accustomed to shaking hands through an introduction didn't know what to do with his hand. This amused the dragon as he did not know what he could do with the man's hand either. This was a meet and greet type visit for the dragon 
and the villagers to establish a trade agreement. Dragons required very little but offered lots. They enjoyed using their flame to help and teach mankind the various ways to mix metals in order to get the desired compound for the task. Extra strong tools for cutting into the sun-baked soil to plant crops. Metal, com <coughs> metal compounds, when set in the sun, attracted twice the moisture as a regular glass condenser system. In some areas, water acquisition was the first and last task of every day. In the northern region of the grain belt of the American continent, rain came in the form of hail or snow. Any garden area required a trellis-type structure to allow sun in but diffuse the damaging power of hailstones that could grow to 3 to 4 centimeters occasionally. Where the metal was not available, wood was used. That was the purpose of this visit. Terwilliger wanted to offer his scrap iron collection to the people of this village. Dragons liked to collect things. Burnt out car shells, rusted up factory tools too big for any team of men could be blown with dragon flame into manageable pieces. The queen's aviary was complete and she only asked for a small portion from each of the ten young dragons she helped rescue. To Williger and his mate, she preferred to help recover the scrap metals in difficult and very abandoned places far from human contact. Her second desire was to serve her queen. Dragons liked to collect villages as well. At least the males did. This established the territory the queen granted to them when they matured to the age of 100. In the old world, a young male was granted territory at the age of 200. But the state of the world demanded that the dragons needed to improve the world with some haste. Often, if two males exceeded their ability, a village could expect the visit from either dragon, just at different times. In this new world, dragons had no time for fighting. In fact, the queen forbid it. The females needed to focus all their attention on maturation of eggs or the cleanup of the territory they lived in. The dragon population was still at a fragile level and that offered the queen much distress. The dragon offered his services to help build more garden protection, as well as more territory in the safer animals grazing zone. Just as the trees near the settlement's garden were burnt to detour any wild animals wandering in and destroying livestock, Terwilliger offered to do the same for this settlement. Until now, shepherds needed to stand guard over the animals and village every night. This required a lot of manpower and time that could be spent more productively. The terms the dragon laid out would require the village to pick the very worst half of its livestock and as much grain as they could give up and feel secure for the winter season. The worst of the livestock and grain would be used by the dragon and his mate to produce the dragon flame required to form the burnt perimeter. The people had no idea how it worked for the dragon, but they knew how to burn the grease from animal fat, and the alcohol they made from the grain could sometimes burn very well, all the way down to their stomach and sometimes farther. 
They also had no idea that the amount of animal and grain didn't equal the amount of flame offered in return. Initially, the pair of dragons were preparing a nest and a journey to the ozone layer to produce an egg. This endeavor required a huge supply of protein for both creatures. The plant-based fuel could be used in the territory and nest construction and metallurgy, but the animal-based fuel was required for the flight. Animal protein packs tighter and denser and will increase their odds of survival greatly. When the offer was made by an elder that visited the village a few weeks earlier, the offer sounded like a dream come true. The people heard through travelers of the prosperity of settlements blessed by the dragons. You could not apply for this relief. You had to earn it. The traveling elders would wander through the village, sometimes unannounced, and inspect the village for proper conduct. Self-sufficiency was at the top of the list, followed by respectful consideration to the environment and inhabitants of the entire area. There could be no war or discontent that could lead to war of two neighboring villages, or neither of the two would ever be considered worthy. Third on the list, they needed to be big enough to offer the dragon resources in return for the dragon's resources. The dragons always gave more than the people needed, and when the food supply fell too low, the dragon would negotiate with other villages to help keep his people from going hungry or cold. This village felt privileged to be invited to the dragon's guild. The dragon asked for a lot up front, and the village knew of other villages that lived a very comfortable life with the dragon's help. Dragons are very clever. They ask for twice as much as they want, and only take what is agreed upon as they required it. In the lifetime of a human, this system worked well. The people would continue to feed the dragon's fuel supply, store the grain fuel supply, and re improve their operation with very little effort on the dragon's part. Dragon flame was easy work for these creatures and watching man learn to improve their skills a joy for the males. Twilliger and his mate planned to have an egg in the nest that spring. They found the upper atmosphere was less difficult in the cooler months. In fact more and more dragons were catching on to this fact as if it may become part of a cycle for the newest creatures back on Earth. Robert was very happy with the negotiations. So happy, in fact. He wanted to offer the dragon something extra. Something very dear to his own heart. Maybe it was the way Tewilliger touched his heart to slow it down that caused the man's generosity. Robert requested a private meeting at the end of the day so his offer could be swept away with the dragon and no one ha would have to know his sacrifice for the village. About a kilometer outside the village, Robert sat on a box, or closer to a chest, and beside him was a hole. On the far side of the hole lay a lead blanket used in the old world for hospital x-ray protection, and a pile of bones beside that. The dragon already knew what was in the chest. He could feel it, taste it, and smell it. 
All dragons love the way silver acts on their senses. The Williger landed and strolled over to stand in front of the man. Robert inhaled deeply and started to tell his new friend a story. Long ago, my family owned a scrapyard. My family always saved for the bad times. When the bad times hit, my great-great-grandfather tried to buy his way into a safer environment for his family to survive all the chart to survive all the hardship that is now our history. He offered all the gold he had collected in his lifetime so he could keep his family safe. The bastards took his gold, kicked his family out into the darkness, and killed him slowly for holding out so long with his hoard. They tortured him to find out where the rest might be. They never found out, and his family escaped before they could turn their evil on any others. The village and most of the land we can see was owned by my family. Not that I'm asking for any allowance for that. We were glad for the company when people came to help and start a new life with my family. I wasn't born yet, but I have upheld that family tradition for as long as I've drawn a breath. Anyways, the remainder of that man's treasure was buried out here on the land he wanted to be buried on. He never got that wish. My ancestors never found him, dead or alive. The people you met today in that village are my family. They asked me to be spokesperson for that meeting because they trust me. I trust you, and I trust that the remainder of my family's treasure will help you become something better. My father held back when they came trading for silver and gold. He knew it was for your queen back when they first woke up. He didn't know why an animal would require metals for a healthier life. Sounded like an old world scam to him. I understand your kind better after our discussions earlier. I understand that if metals are important to you, then silver would be more important to you, just as gold has become the most important metal we require for protection from our own son. Robert, after all, he said, had to pause to take that part in. The sun gave life, but it took back just as quick. I'm guessing you already know what I'm sitting on. It's yours if you want it. Tewilliger swallowed his excitement and bowed his head low, raised it, and looked into Robert's eyes. You are a very generous man. Your gift will not go unrewarded, kind sir. You want that lead too? May I suggest you add it to the pile of scrap when I visit next? I can show you a few useful ways to enjoy the soft metal. After a few more minutes of words, Robert stood up, walked over to the lead blankets, wished his new friend a safe journey, and headed back home. He regretted sitting on the chest when he realized how dragons might carry small objects, then dismissed it as a bright orange, then blue flame lit up the early evening sky. Rotting old wood was not required by the dragon. He quickly fused the metal into a solid object and disappeared into the sky with it. The talons of a well-used claw could withstand the heat long enough to transport it the short distance he needed to go. 
Terwilliger was as excited as a dragon gets with a gift he carried at the tips of his long talons. The dragon wondered, with the queen sitting on the largest silver supply known throughout the dragon kingdom, she may feel generous towards him and his mate. They could have an exceptionally powerful lineage of eggs with this gift. Silver is one of the more important ingredients used in the creation of a dragon. It is an element required by the embryo to develop the mind that can use more of the pathways and connections that make a brain more efficient. It also gives a developing mind the ability to communicate with its parents while still in the shell. One of the more incredible abilities these creatures have acquired through their existence. When Terwilliger was gifted the huge amount of silver and offered to share with the queen, she granted him full title to the entire gift. Him and his mate would use a little more than necessary in the formation of their first egg. Not on purpose, but the excitement over the gift caused a slight confusion between the pair. The consequences of this small action would have huge impacts on the relationship between man and dragon and planet Earth. The man walked through his village, making his way to the dragon court. He allowed his mind to wander back to the day's events when he was allowed to give a dragon a name. So much has happened since that day. The prosperity of the village has made it a safe and healthy environment for all who live and visit the community. Robert was getting more excited with the anticipation every minute he waited. He hoped it was Terwilliger. His heart felt different with the second dragon. Casterbaum was kind and generous with the village, but Robert's first and best impression was with Terwilliger. In time spent together helped form a bond. He was a true friend to man. A shadow passed over Robert's head. He felt his heart skipped a beat. He knew his friend Terwilliger had arrived. Robert would spend a few hours with his friend, then allowed the dragon to help with metallurgy projects his fellow vi villagers requested assistance with. In that short visit, Robert sensed a weight of anguish resting on the neck of his friend. If the work with the villagers did not help to lift his friend's spirits, he would try to talk to Terwilliger at the end of the day. He hoped he could help his friend as much as he had helped Robert's village. Terwilliger did confess to being occupied by troubles. Robert would not understand. Robert let out a sigh, gave his friend a sheepish smile, and asked, Do dragons have troubles with their children as we do? The dragon stared at the man, wondering how this little creature could measure the mind of a dragon so well. They usually don't, but I have the misfortune of being the first to have a child that listens too well. It is causing my child to endanger its own life. All I can do is wait, and that causes my pain. I understand you. You use my words so as not to confuse the conversation. Your child. It is an egg, correct? Terwilliger sighed with relief. His ex he experienced conversations like this in the past. Usually half the talk was trying to convert the words lost in translation. This man understood him easily. 
this conversation might be enjoyable. Yes, it is an egg. Robert smiled, knowing they were making progress now. Your egg. It sleeps like you did, and you wait to see how your effort turns out, correct? The dragon nodded in an affirmative. How long will you have to wait, my friend? At least two more years. Terwilliger said with a heavy sigh. Do not be offended my, by me. I am laughing for you, not at you. Well, maybe a little of both. You met my four children. There is seven years between the oldest and youngest. Seven years plus another twenty after the last one. I know I have done a good job with my children. Just a few years before I will likely die of old age, I will know for sure. You must be first-time parent to bother with this nonsense. Trust in the effort you put into that egg, and that egg will reward you with a lifetime of pride and a job well done. Trust the egg. It will do what children do best. For the first time in his short life, Twilliger felt pride for the man that stood before him. In just a few short words, this man lifted the heavy weight off the neck of a creature ten times larger. Oh, my friend, how did such a young creature as you become so wise? Without needing an answer, he asked another question a moment later. What do children do best? They adapt, and your child may have ears that hang down. Robert spoke as the laughter rose out of his belly and burst out his lips. A dragon and a man laughed together for the first time in recorded history. Tewilliger felt no need in explaining that dragons cannot have big ears. 